appeared as a fortune. Yeah. Check me on camera. Check, check. Yep, that looks good. I know you can leave her, it's just. Oh, just, just think. Okay, just I thought I needed to come there. <laughs> I like my microphone, you're right. Mm. <laughs> it's the first okay. clip. It's just in pillar four. Yeah. Today we're talking about the fourth dimension of wellness, which is the spiritual wellness, the spiritual well-being. Spiritual. <laughs> so pillar four, spiritual well-being. It's an interesting one, this, as we dive into it. Sometimes it gets misunderstood as being tied to a religion or a certain spiritual practice or an ideology, but it's just more of a broader, deeper connection to, you know, one's life, one's purpose, one's outlook. So it's connected very much to the well-being side of our wellness journey. It is really that human need to always find out why we're here on earth, what's our life about, and that connection to something greater than ourselves. It's that really innate search that we're kind of really born with, that inquisitiveness of what is this all about. Well, yeah, why, why are we here? <laughs> it's a tricky one, isn't it? Sometimes I catch myself thinking about it, and <laughs> it's so... Especially when you think of the vastness of space in the universe and time it just sometimes you can't you can't wrap your head around it you can't fathom it it's, it's mind-boggling but beyond that there is some structure to spirituality and some core principles that we've researched and put together which are will sort of run through which i think helps frame it and maybe open some people's eyes to different aspects that again can work on we talk about working on everything we talked about a lot about working on our physical health and um, we really have to work on our mental health and mental well-being and spiritual well-being ties into that too. Yeah, maybe I want to just read um, briefly this little paragraph that talks about spiritual wellness because it says that it acknowledges our search for deeper meaning in life. When we're spiritually healthy, we feel more connected to not only a higher power, but to those around us. We have more clarity when it comes to making everyday choices and our actions become more consistent with our beliefs and values. I think that really sets out kind of the understanding of the importance of spiritual wellness and spiritual well-being because it just really gives you that feeling of connectedness to others by finding your own purpose and your own reason for life. Do you want to dive into the, the kind of eight aspects that we kind of identified are are good ones to be conscious of and maybe work on to really yeah get spiritual wellness to like the next level yeah and we we identified identified eight points that we think uh sort of tie into a sense of spirituality and well-being so number one is finding meaning and purpose in life um so this sort of breaks into seg segments too so number one or one a is exploration of values, reflecting on personal values to help us identify what truly matters to us. And it's, again, nothing that I, when you sort of read it and you think about it, it's something that I probably don't consciously do, like exploration of values. I can't imagine any time that I'm really sitting around exploring my values. I guess they're really innate within us and 
you just kind of take them for granted as part of the makeup of one's DNA. But taking the time to, you know, to explore that, uh, I think is really important and valuable. I mean, the importance of values is that it really, those are the ones that really influence our choices and actions in life. And sometimes it's consciously or not consciously, but those values really drive the way we see the world and see our actions and other people's actions. Yeah, and the one part of that that jumps out to me is beliefs. So we're very much controlled by our beliefs. And what I understand is that we, we search out for evidence that reinforces a belief that we have. And I think we all consciously and unconsciously do that. And it's like you said, yeah, it kind of builds a framework and a picture of the world around us. It's our belief system. And I was reading an article the other day about changing your own beliefs or changing somebody else's beliefs. And it was really interesting to, there was a couple of criteria to help with that. One was the new compelling evidence needs to come from a source that I or the other person um, is believes or is credible to to them. And then the second part of it to make the equation work is for that person to see an advantage to them personally to change their belief around a certain subject or ideology or whatever it might be. So it's not that we can't change our beliefs, but we need those tick those two boxes in order to, to do that. But at times it can be, especially in when we think about beliefs, we don't want to go down there but a lot of it's you know certainly around politics and that can be a you know a rabbit hole that I know we don't want to sort of get involved in but it's it's understanding that and that's why a lot of people don't want to change their beliefs or they believe something strongly because sometimes it's it's a single belief that's wrapped in a a sort of a broader group of beliefs that one group might have so if you change your belief on one thing, does that mean now I've got to change my beliefs on a broader spectrum? And then that starts to affect maybe who you identify with or what group you're part of or how you're seen in society. So it's a, it's really interesting when you take a deep dive into it. And like you were saying, our beliefs, they really are part of our identity. So I think that's why it's so difficult to change a belief, even though sometimes you might know Maybe that's something I should reconsider or have you heard of something that's opposite of that belief that you're standing for is you kind of like feel like, oh, maybe I should explore that. But it's really hard to change that because it really, it is so much of who we are. Yeah. And then the, the second subsect of this is uh, setting meaningful goals. So defining and pursuing goals aligned with one's values, contributing to a sense of purpose. Goals and purpose is something that's become very prevalent in our life over the last couple of years. I think we all have kind of, to a degree, floaty, wishy-washy goals. But have that driven by a true purpose gives it a whole different level of meaning, fuel, uh, drive, discipline, commitment, uh, which I've, I find fascinating and we always talk about that that equation that Tony Robinson Tony Robbins always talks about, which is growth and contribution equals true fulfillment. And by having that purpose, that's where you can start to have, I think, a real deep meaning of fulfillment in life. And when we talk about goals and tying them back to the the values that you first you personally identify your values and then you tie your goals towards that, I think that's really important because there's really often that we have certain goals because we see someone else do something, achieve something, and it works really well for them. So we try to kind of put on almost someone else's clothes and feel like they fit us the same way. But if they don't align with our values, we're not going to be as successful because ultimately they don't have the same meaning. And I think it's at the same note, it's really important to not have goals because someone else wants those goals for us. That's the same thing. It's again, we're putting someone else's dream or hopes or visions and trying to create that life, but it's not connected to us and to our values, then we don't have the purpose with it and we're not driven. And then it's much harder to stick to a goal because there's only a certain short amount of motivation behind it, but it's not really truly something that we feel like when we achieve that, that's who we are and who we're becoming. And it's aligned with our bigger purpose in life and our connection to what life is about, like we said in the beginning. 
So that I find for me is really important to to understand, and that's something I really had to kind of figure out myself and identify and say what is it that I really want and not what I think I should want or what you have an idea of what you want. Yeah, I think of goals very much now that each goal is just a stepping stone on a journey to the next goal and the next goal and there's, I've definitely in recent years lost that thought of like reaching there's just one goal to reach and at the end of it there's this pot of gold at, at the end of the rainbow and then that's it, then what? And that's when we think about, you know, achieving goals and not being fulfilled, which is really the ultimate failure, isn't it? Because if you put all this effort into a goal, whatever that might be, it might be materialistic, buying a car, a house, might be a relationship goal, might be a physical goal. But if you get to the end of it and you don't fulfill, filled, then it's been a, in some ways a wasted exercise. So you've got to find meaning and purpose within that. And then go back to, I like, yeah, I think goals now is just, it's a goal, there's just goals within goals within goals. So it's just stepping stone after stepping stone for me to keep reaching and moving towards, I think in some ways goals that are almost unattainable in the big picture, because then it's just something that you can just keep working on and, for that, there needs to be. It's it needs to be part of something that's just bigger than yourself. So that goal or that purpose that you're driven by is is wider, much broader than just the self or the individual. And it's not just personal to me. It's a goal to help other people or um, achieve something as a group or as part of a community. And then that's what you just touched on. It's about very much about who you become on the journey, rather than what the prizes at the end of the at the end of the road and then when I think about those those multiple goals we think about Simon Sinek and he's you know the infinite game and it's you know, sort of the finite games it's just about continuing to play the game at times the game is just to stay in the game and that's so much of I the way I think about life now whether it's business fitness goals relationships there's no winning, there's no being the best. It's just to stay in the game and outlast your competitors. You don't win at being married. You just, the goal is to stay married. You don't, <laughs> you don't necessarily really win in business ultimately. It's just to stay in business, outlast your competitors. And the same with fitness. You might achieve a certain goal uh, of a physique, but you can't just stop at that point. You just gotta keep pursuing you might shift the goal or go through a different phase but it's just about continuing to play the game. Now on the last note of that section we're also kind of we're looking at personal growth. So this is really where it's about like embracing challenges and um, learning experiences and this can really lead to a deeper understanding of ourselves because sometimes those failures or challenges really sometimes are the ones that highlight what really matters to us. We might not have been really be aware of that, but by not succeeding at it or failing and just really having that kind of really feeling in the stomach of like, I'm, actually this really means something to me. I think sometimes that can make you identify things. I think that's why really embracing those challenges is important. So I thought that was an interesting one too. And kind of all those three, like the exploration of the values, the setting the meaningful goals, and the personal growth, these are really the concepts that can help finding meaning and purpose in life, which was kind of our big number one in the spiritual awareness That's section. great. And yeah, finding new challenges all the time, and that's where you get the most reward, especially if it's something that's extremely hard and you don't feel like doing it. If you can overcome those two things, and there's a, I think there's an internal reward system for your body. And also, I know we were at ASU last week speaking to some of the students there who were about to take their architecture finals, and we talked about times in your life to push and to pause. And there are certain times where you just got to really push hard. And I think this is for them is one of those times. It's, and partly I think we explained it as there's a there's gonna be a kind of muscle memory in that point. When you push hard and you you achieve the goal and that you set for yourself, then 
when that shows up later in life when you're in your career your body or your mind has that muscle memory that remembers back to that time where yes I pushed hard it was difficult but I got through it and I achieved a goal and your body will be able to do the same again rather than sort of giving up or it's too difficult so it's really important to have those you know that personal growth what you were just saying about the pushing hard and pushing forward and the uncomfortable times that kind of makes my balanced side lead into the second section which is the cultivating a sense of inner peace and serenity which is then the the balanced side to the kind of more mindfulness and we were talking about in one of the episodes about mindfulness practices which is anything from meditation mindful activities connecting with the present moment reducing stress and really stress management as well i feel like that's really so important when we think about our higher purpose or meaning in life, our purpose for life is that when we're stressed, we don't really have a lot of clarity in those times. And that's really when we can get more disconnected from what's really important to us and the bigger picture and the bigger purpose and what makes us fulfilled. So that's why, even though it seems a little obvious, but the mindfulness really, I think, helps us stay on target and really understand what is important to us. What do we want to spend time on? What don't we just want to be busy with with so many things that might not really add to our values and then the last part of that is balance and harmony so really striving for a balanced lifestyle which was like you were saying there's times to push and then there's times to understand that there was just a hard time and kind of to go back and and take rest um yeah self-care fostering a sense of inner peace so all those things make us more connected our spiritual oneness. And out of all of that, stress is one of the biggest one I think I pull out of a lot of that. And stress, stress where you can use, stress can oftentimes be used to your advantage. I mean, when you're under a bit of pressure or it's a slightly stressful situation, getting a deadline done, that can be a motivation and a tool as long as you can control it and it's not continuous. The same when we work out hard physical activity your body is under stress at that point but it's a time when you're growing but it's in a short period of time and you stop and start it so i think the key to stress is is to to limit it and then be able to take control of it to decide when to use it and when not it's when it becomes constant and there seems to be no escaping it either by external forces or no internal mechanism of how to deal with it that's when it becomes chronic and and really yeah, makes you unbalanced and ultimately can put you into poor health. Yeah, because we always hear about good stress, bad stress. And when I think about that, and I feel like there's a busy time and I'm kind of what you would call stressed, but it's connected to a bigger kind of goal I've identified and it just really feels like I'm moving forward towards my, my purpose, my life's purpose, my contribution then that stress is really more of a positive stress. You still got to balance it. You still can't run on a hundred and re- take all your batteries out. That doesn't work. But it's definitely a more positive stress than being stressed with something that you feel like it's just something you shouldn't be doing. It doesn't contribute to anyone. It's just something that you're chasing and reacting to. That stress is not healthy, not productive, and it doesn't really move you further in your purpose. I think that's when stress becomes unhealthy. I said in a previous episode that feeling stressed somehow, I used to register as that means I'm being productive or I'm achieving or I'm working hard. And that's just, it was just that kind of internal mechanism for me. But now when I look back at it, it's kind of, it's ridiculous to me looking back at that and how that really wasn't. It was just gave me a, what a belief like we just mentioned, and a, and, a, and, a, and a feeling. So it's funny how we learn new ta- tools, new tactics, and you know, evaluate and become more connected with mind and body. You get to understand how beliefs that you used to have are kind of, you look back at them now, you think, how did I ever think like that? So yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Um, number three, connecting with something greater than oneself. So this can be many different things to many different people and it very much touches on uh, religious practices for some, uh, meditation and contemplation 
and then for others it's you know a combination of all of them but the a nature connection to the nature and the universe so for me i'm very much focused on um you very much now through your guidance uh, meditation and contemplation meditation's been a great one for me both to deal with moments of stress uh, we've talked about the non-sleep deep rest now um, you know yoga nidra is very good for just finding that that place I always just say it's between awake and sleep it's that funny little zone it's hard to explain but um, I think from a lot of reports I've read that it can have greater benefits than you know the rest the different type of rest you get when you're asleep it takes you into a deeper state of relaxation and I guess it has something to do with the way it rewires the brain during those deep states of meditation. I want to go back to what you were saying about nature and the universe when I think about connecting to nature and maybe contemplating sort of on the vastness of the universe that's definitely something I can really connect with more as the spiritual side of thinking and being because it's just something that is so I'm so in awe with really what nature is and how nature works and how what a miracle it is really and when I'm thinking about sometimes the romantic thought of being out in nature at night and looking at the stars just sitting in a in a chair looking at the sky and seeing the stars I think this is that's when you want to really find what is it what is it that's greater than myself how do I connect with it for me that's really a moment where you just sit there and you just feel there is something much greater than myself out there and there's there's a there's a universe and there's another kind of existence and I think that's just really it's a nice way to connect with it in a tangible way I think through nature and through kind of yeah exploring of the exploration of the universe and do you think you've always do you think you've always had that or is that something that's come to you as you've got older and matured you mean the connection to nature or nature or having that awareness or moments where you'd just be happy to sit there contemplating you know looking up at the stars i would definitely say when you get older there's more of a connection there the only thing i would think of when i was a child i always had a really and i kind of still have really big imagination so for me, going out in nature, exploring, and I think I was saying in the first episode as well about wanting to be outside in nature and playing, there was always that fascination with nature and ex exploring and finding out. Um, so I feel like that in being inquisitive about nature and where things come from and how it works and not really understanding it but being kind of amazed by it, I think that's probably something I had as a child already. There's definitely always a connection there to something like that. Yeah, I would say the same. I think there's a, as a child, there's that fascination by the sky and the stars and the universe. And then, I don't know if it's common or not, but then you start to just take it for granted. It's just this, you know, this mass of nothingness that sits above our heads. And then, yeah, I guess for me, I was, that's why I asked you the question. It's just as we get a bit older, you start to be a little more contemplative of what's going on around you and there's no well, way that's, that's life that's yeah. age isn't it, it is that age. makes you think about okay i've been here for that long like it's like midlife crisis yeah i think that's what it is <laughs> midlife crisis there you go. i think it is because there's there's no way that i might you know at 20 years old ben would be happy just sitting in a chair contemplating looking up at the stars it just so it's so much yeah it's it's, a, it's just a midlife crisis <laughs> but I like it I enjoy it I like I like the calmness and the appreciation and for those who know we live in Scottsdale Arizona so we are fortunate to have some amazing not only sunsets but you know clear starry nights here yeah that's that's why the desert is so mesmerizing to me it really is should we move on to the next point, yeah. which is exploration and reflection. So con contemplative practices um, we've got here, which is practices like journaling, deep thinking, or discussing existential question. Um, that kind of gives a deeper understanding of one's life's purpose. I think that's kind of quite interesting when we talk about 
journaling is is really powerful. And I have to say that I'm kind of still in and out of that experience. When I do it, I really feel the difference, and I really feel like it's moving me forward. But sometimes I, it's hard for me to really just sit down and write things out. We're so used to typing things, but it's still a different mechanism when you sit and type on your iPad or type on your computer versus having that pen in your hand and really connecting from the brain through the pen on paper and letting your thoughts flow. It, it really is a different connection to it. And I'm always kind of reminding myself of it that there really is, is something there. It's not just a thing because we now nowadays say, oh, we journal. Um, there really is something behind that. Yeah, journaling is interesting because certainly, again, nothing that I would have really considered or thought about, so it must be another tick in the midlife crisis box that's going on at the moment, but I'm fascinated by it too, and I've, I do now carry a notebook around me, not to specifically journal, but just to take notes either as observation through the day, maybe it's a a quote that I've heard or it's a phrase that somebody said to me or it's um, something I've learned either reading a book or watching on a podcast or a video podcast and just sort of jotting that down and there's definitely a can better you know mind memory connection when you write something down even more so than typing it there's just something about the the pen in the hand and I know um, Dr. Andrew Huberman has just released a podcast on the benefits of journaling and I think he even has like a mini course in there where he teaches you over four days, I think 30 minutes a day, how to journal and journal in a way that affects your long-term health, which I don't know how yet, I haven't watched it, but I'm fascinated to learn that. And also I think changes your neuroplasty in your brain, so it I can't talk to how or why or what, but it's, uh, it's intriguing to, to find out. So when we talk about journaling, the, the next points under that exploration and reflection is life review. And when I think about life review, there's a lot when you are in your head and thinking back on certain things in life that you achieved or there were successes and that you enjoyed. But then there's another element to that when you actually are disciplined with journaling and write certain things down there are moments that you might not have really thought about and realized. There might be some real small wins and successes in it that you have almost not, yeah, kind of um, not ignored, but you haven't really celebrated them because it seemed small at the time. But when you have it in a journal and you go over it, you kind of actually realize, well, wow, I've kind of actually achieved a lot or I've done this. And I think that's really important. I think it's really important. And I think there's multiple threads to that. One is that that allows you those moments of gratitude for things that you've achieved or things that are around you or the life that you have because of that journey that you've taken. And whatever that journey looks like, it's all a sum of the parts of, you know, your past life got you to where you are. Some, a lot of it are major choices that we've made for ourselves. For us personally, we've made the choice to come and live in America. That's a huge change in our lives. Other things are, you know, out of our control that are just situational that are put upon us. But writing little gratitude notes is a is a great one for that. And then sorry, and then just remembering that often we are currently in a living a life that we dreamt of a few years prior and we often forget that because we're so busy getting to that goal and then we start chasing the other one. So I talked about hopping from goal to goal as stepping stones. But it's really important to stop and recognize that, you know, five years ago, the life that I'm now living is something I dreamed of. So you need to stop, recognize, and appreciate that before setting the next goal and understanding what the benefit of this next phase of your life or what you're trying to achieve is going to be. I think that's why these life reviews are really important. And it's really about reviewing your past and not dwelling on the past because we often here we know that living in the moment is really important, living in the present, not living in the future, not living in the past. But when we review the past in a sense like that, in the context of spiritual wellness, it's not about dwelling on the past or going over and over one thing again and like and keep beating it. It's just really the the review and a positive note of like you were saying, it's like all those things that we dreamt of and then actually have achieved. 
Absolutely. So number five is, we're going back to Nietzsche, is appreciation of nature and the environment. Uh, there's two subsectors of this. One is nature connection, so spending time in nature and appreciating its beauty can evoke a sense of awe and interconnectedness, promoting emotional well-being. Uh, you can't deny it. I think it's pretty hard for anybody, consciously or unconsciously, to think, oh, I didn't have a nice experience when I was out in nature, you know, just... But I think part of it is that we don't necessarily stop and take it in. It's if you if you make a conscious decision or effort while you're there to really stand in awe and absorb. And again, we're very fortunate. We live in a awe-inspiring environment, especially considering you know where I came from, especially just outside of London. We certainly don't have mountains and cacti and deserts and rattlesnakes and vast, vast, you know, blue skies and amazing sunsets. So, and I know I am genuinely conscious of making sure I, it's been 10 years now since we've lived here, but I still will often drive into work with you, say, you know, look at Camelback Mountain or, and, you know, as it transitions through the season. So we are constantly, constantly, consciously talking about and being connected to nature here. Yeah, and connecting with nature it can be very simple by just taking a, a walk around the neighborhood or it can be in our case a little bit more intense we might say we go on a hike where you get a little bit even closer and deeper into nature um, and then something that a lot of people are trying out or is more of a movement is like forest bathing when you really think about going deep into the forest really connecting with the trees with the energy and just really being being in nature, not just being outdoors, but just really being engrossed in nature and feeling nature, being more surrounded by the energy of nature than the built environment. And that, again, I feel like really opens up that kind of, yeah, way, pathway to spiritual awareness of being connected to something greater than ourselves. Yeah. And I grew up, I loved fishing. Fishing was my sport. And as much as I love the art of you know, catching a fish, it was the anticipation for me. And so much of the anticipation was just being on the riverbank or the lakeside or on the beach if I was sea fishing and just being at nature and just being connected to often the elements in England. Um, and weirdly now it's kind of, I don't fish anymore, but photography is similar to me. It's it's kind of fishing, but with a camera. It's, it's, they're, they're one in the same or they give me the same feeling or sense of connection to nature if you're out, um, you know, in a way kind of stalking prey, but at this time it's with a camera, so it's fascinating. And that ties into the second point, which is kind of environmental consciousness, and we can't enjoy that nature unless we protect it. And in our field of architecture and design, and especially the hospitality industry, there's a huge consciousness around it about how we can build buildings that are net positive, how we can be sustainable with the materials we choose, um, bring longevity to buildings and the, the items of furniture that we put into them. I think it's, I think we all, you know, we try and do our bit the best we can. I think we sometimes can get a little disillusioned by it all because it seems like just such a, a mammoth task to try and overcome there's a lot of conflicting information around it. And when we see certain industries that seem to not care or be so great at polluting the environment, sometimes you can question, well, what's my little contribution gonna to do to help in the grand scheme of things? And it's not that that stops me from doing my, or our bit, but it's true. It's kind of like, you just think this is, it's so vast and it's such a complex topic. Um, it's so it's very hard to wrap your arms around. The importance with that, and I can't remember what context we were talking about that previously. It's the any step counts, and we're my belief really is like we're all connected. We're connected to something that's on the other side of the world energetically. So my contribution, I think we were talking about it in context of. Um, emotional wellness, like if I have a bad day and 
I'm grumpy to someone, the ripple effect that I give to that person and how that goes on. So I feel like the same thing is with contributing on small steps. It's, it might seem really small, but someone else might see what you're doing and then they pick up that good habit. And then that goes from there. So I feel like the small steps are not to, not to underestimate. And I think knowing that these make a difference make us do something because otherwise we wouldn't ever move and do anything if we think only the big things matter. No, that's absolutely right. Absolutely right. So six. Transcendent experiences. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you explain. <laughs> I'll let you explain this. So there's like there's two points in there, and we kind of like maybe combine them as one. But the they're talking about moments of flow, and then peak experiences. So moments of flow are described as engaging activities that induce a state of flow, where one is fully immersed in focus can lead to a transcendent experience in the sense of timelessness. So when I think about moments of flow and peaks experiences, um, one recent offering that we're seeing in the spa and wellness industry are, and I think they're called expressive, ex kind of expressive or um, expressive dance classes. I'm looking for another word, expressive or, it might come to me, but it's really the, using dance as a form of kind of therapy in medicine and not a dance where you use choreographed steps and you're use your head and your and your thoughts of knowing what the next steps are they're doing but really letting it flow and rather releasing stuck energy and just really getting into the music and feeling the music and letting the music flow flow through you and coming up with the kind of from the outside, maybe weirdest movements. So you think like, what's that person doing? But it doesn't matter, it's not about that. It's not about the, what it looks on the outside, it's what it does on the inside, how you get rid of stuck energy so you get that energy flow in your body again. I think that's the challenge, isn't it? <laughs> Is that feeling like you're just gonna go into a room and just let it go is a challenge for a lot of people. I mean, for me, I've, I think I've done it once, but I think we did it as part of a class in the confines of our own home. So, but it, weirdly, it was enlightening. It did, like you said, there was this flow of movement to it, but from the casual observer on the outside, you look like uh, a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> but there's actually one other time that I remember that we just recently did when we were at the Global Wellness Summit. Kind of similar experience. We did a class um, from this new wellness, fitness wellness experience called Sanctum which um, comes from Amsterdam, yeah. uh, Luke and Gabriel, they're the two founders. And they've really, for me, it's like one of the most recent, most amazing things I've done. It's, like, it's a spiritual fitness class and it's you meet in a group, you've got your instructor, in this case it was Luke um, at the front of the, we were outside, which was really nice, front of the class, you've got headphones on, so you hear music, it's kind of a bit like a silent disco, but you hear his words and his instruction as well. And the class is really about kind of, and that's one of the points, like that sort of peak performance and experience with your body, like really getting up the energy, but then it's like these mindfulness moments. And it's really about letting the energy flow through you and see what the music does to you. And not, it doesn't matter about what someone else does on the outside because you're really there to get out of the class and feel better and let the energy flow. And I remember you really enjoying that. I remember you see being in there and really feeling good afterwards. I remember you were saying about this kind of energy that was rising in your body and I kind of that's how I felt as well. And what was so nice about that is was the balance again of that energy and real excitement, but then there was this moment of pause and appreciation and kind of what was a meditative moment in it and that's really what they are combining in this and it which makes us really truly magical and like a very like spiritual fitness i've never experienced anything like it i hadn't either and it, it it's something that we would absolutely encourage everybody to try and i know there's an event coming up in london in december uh, and it, it truly was remarkable it was I mean, it was great music, loud in your headphones that you like, with Luke kind of directing the class. It was high intensity to that, like you said, that peak state and then moments of flow. It touched on that point you said earlier, giving a sense of timelessness. You weren't really conscious of time. Um, it was 
a true workout, but it had that, like you said, that spirituality to it, which is kind of hard to explain. A lot of it was the movements. And I think what was fascinating by me, to me, was that I can't remember how many people we did in a group and made to be 30 or 35 people. There was such a sense of community at the end of it. We all did it individually with our headphones on, but it wasn't like doing an aerobics class. It was where I think there was, you're, for me, you're very much focused on yourself. This had such a community connection. Part of it was how Luke got you to interact with the people around you, to being conscious of, you know, acknowledging, smiling, embracing, hugging, high-fiving, whatever it might be. It was just, there was a bond at the end of it, and then it really set you up. We did it first thing in the morning, 6.30 in the morning. It just set you up for the rest of the day, energized um, from that 30 or 40 minute, yeah, embrace. Yeah. So when you think about these like moments of flow and peak experiences, they c- that can be really anything. The the dance and um, sanctum experience that we were describing was just something that we kind of recently sort of experienced ourselves, and that we know a lot of spas are offering now. Um, but it's just really, it's just something really interesting, and it's just something you wouldn't really kind of think of putting together. That's kind of the genius behind this: is really being conscious about your spiritual journey and your energy and your movement while you're working out. I think that's the, again, being connected to yourself, understanding yourself, understanding your value, I think has a lot to do with moving and not being stagnant and stuck and sitting all day. I think that flow in your body, it really gets your brain moving. That makes you kind of realize a little bit more what your thoughts are, what you're going back to the beginning, what your values are, understanding your purpose. I think this is all really connected, those things together. It was great, and we've tried a few th- different things over, certainly over the last year. I know when um, we when we were designing Savannah, we went to Two Bunch Palms in Palm Springs, and I did a Watsu therapy, which is where you're basically being guided by a practitioner in a swimming pool or a pool on your back, and there's a bit of sensory deprivation in that. Uh, I think you have your eyes closed or a mask on, and plugs in on something on your nose so and they just kind of move you around in this weightlessness experience and that was another moment of flow um, sort of deep deep relaxation and also promotes that moment of timelessness and getting into these states I think is is super important and then I know recently we did a cacao and happy ceremony maybe you want to talk about that. Yeah, that was a really interesting experience because we've heard of cacao before, but we weren't familiar as much with hape. And cacao is really, it's ceremonial cacao that's used, which really works on opening your heart and kind of being open to moments of bliss and receiving energy. And then hape um, is kind of a form of snuff, kind of a tobacco um, with plant medicine. And it's something that's administered through someone else into your nostrils on the left and the right hand side. And it just gives you this real moment of openness and clarity. And that for me it was a real moment of bliss. It was just a lot of um yeah, it was just a lot of clarity for me. And it's not it's not a drug, so you're not really going into a um hallucinating state or something. It's just more that you're very aware, very conscious and you let just kind of let go and then the um, practitioner talks you through a journey and then you either visualize through pictures or through feelings, for me it was more through feelings, is you go on that journey and then kind of like explore what you're, how you're feeling. Um, and it was just a really, really, really interesting experience and it was obviously a very ancient practice and this, this is all really about connecting deeper with yourself, understanding yourself, um, exploring and getting energies moving. And the, the cacao is just a really wonderful ceremony because anything that helps us, especially these days, like open our heart and work with our heart energies and, and connecting through the heart energies with one another, I think that's ultimately makes us more connected to, to others and then the kind of something that's bigger than ourselves. And again, going back to the spiritual wellness of just having that real connection. And then when you talk about connection, a lot of these connect back to the previous episodes as well when we think about you know mental well-being intellectual well-being 
last week was emotional. A lot of these create emotions, emotions, you know, create memories. So a lot of this is memorable for us because there are so many emotions attached with it where it's something completely unique. The use of these medicines, music, uh, community, just make it, make it memorable because there was so much emotion expressed in it. And when I think of a lot of, the one thing I think it was last year, the year before that we did was the Tamaskal in Tulum, which is a Mayan sweat lodge. And that for me kind of cements all of these facets together where there was spirituality involved, there was sort of un, unknown, there was fear in it, um, there was music, there was medicine, there was heat, there was emotion, there was people crying, it, it was all kind of wrapped into one and for those that don't know, uh, Temescal is a yeah, Mayan sweat lodge, it was um, in this beautiful setting in the, in the Mayan jungle in Tulum and <laughs> I remember when we went, it was kind of dusk time wasn't it? And there was a nice ceremony to start. We introduced our to other people that were going to be in the sweat lodge with us. I think there were probably eight of us, maybe something like that. I think I was the only guy. It was myself and seven women. And I remember sort of eyeballing the what to me looked like a concrete igloo or a masonry igloo when we arrived there and taking a look at it, thinking it's pretty small to get eight people in there. And then there was a tiny opening that you had to kind of crawl through and there was blankets hanging over it. And I was like, hmm, it's going to be pitch black in there and it's going to be hot. And we didn't know what to expect. And I felt that anxiety level build up in me to thinking of like being claustrophobic. If you want to get out, how do you get out? Anyway, I remember we went in, we all sat around. By that point, it was almost dark outside and there was sort of a glimmer of light through the, the opening and they'd already set the fire in the center of the space. And then the, the um, kind of shaman went out and brought in some big heated rocks that had been heating and he put them in the center of the fire and, and splashed water on them. And that created that kind of sauna effect. And then in that tiny little masonry space, it got hot really quickly. And I remember both of us, we couldn't really look at each other, but I sensed us looking at each other thinking, oh my God, what have we got into here? And um, when, excuse me, when when the uh, blanket went down and made it pitch black, I remember, I don't know if we were holding hands, but it was just like both of us, I think at that point, were like, <laughs> how do we escape? And I remember, it's almost if the guy was reading our minds, he was saying, the light is just a distraction, the only light you need is within yourself. And that was amazing, wasn't it, for us both to internalize that. And it completely calmed us down and we went into that inner point. And for the next, I think it was an hour and a half, or almost two hours of going through four different ceremonies in there, getting hotter and hotter and sweatier and sweatier. Um, it, was, it was incredible. And it did take every ounce of my being not to leave that space because it got so hot at some point. And, it was loud, but we persevered, we pushed through, and then that, what I spoke about earlier, that forms that kind of muscle memory that doing something really challenging, both physically and psychologically, sort of primes you to be able to do something as challenging in the future. You may not look forward to it, but you know you can get through it. I've done it once, I can do it again. So um, yeah, a few things we've done lately that really opened our eyes. Yeah, just going back to that moment when he was saying like, you find the light inside of you, not the light on the outside. For a moment, I was like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And then I took a deep breath and I suddenly something opened up where I literally through the darkness, I could see a light. And I, it, that moment was just really incredible. Like you're saying, that's really, for us, it was really kind of a transformation experience. And I think that's really what wellness, wellness travel and retreats are moving towards is not it's stepping away from just a pure experience and giving people experiences, it's transformation that people are looking for and seeking after. And I think this is really the kind of future of travel and especially wellness travel is what gives you those transformation experiences. And it's really a lot of times it's going back to kind of ancient wisdom and ancient rituals 
in the countries where that ritual originates from is really where that is that strongest transformation that you can experience. So that was really good good experience transformation for us and I really feel like that's something that's really on people's minds um, more to come as well and we're definitely going to continue on that we're definitely going to seek out a lot of travel that we feel like is really transformative just beyond an experience well it had an immediate effect on you as well didn't it because the next day we went to the underground sonortes and it's pretty dark you weren't a fan of sort of dark deep water of snorkeling um, you're in a kind of cave and I think prior to that you said there's no way you would have been able to have navigated the way through we did through those tunnels but having gone through that experience it primed you to be able to achieve this one it really did because I've always had that real feeling of thinking snorkeling must be amazing I just could never do it because like you're saying I have a really hard time I had a really hard time breathing underwater but finding that moment that I was experiencing in Temascal or finding the light inside was almost like where I could find that breath that I was looking for underwater. And the amount of fish that I've seen in the underground world because I was able to transform into kind of away from that fear was, that was, and thanks for reminding me of that, that was a really, really good um, moment of seeing what those transformative experiences can do for you kind of like literally in that same vacation. Yeah. It can open up something and yep. you suddenly uh, can do something that you were just really scared of. Yeah. Incredible. Okay, number seven is self-discovery and growth. So a couple of sections here. Challenges as opportunities. Viewing challenges as opportunities for personal growth and self-discovery fosters resilience and a positive outlook on life. We touched on challenges previously and I think this is a really nice way to frame it a challenge is an opportunity it's an opportunity to grow it's an opportunity to learn it's an opportunity to rewire your brain it's an opportunity like we just said an opportunity to overcome a fear that you had previously and I think we're primed to want to constantly grow and learn and achieve and that's something that we need to like most things in this world of social media and fast pace and routine, sometimes we can neglect that and you have to go and physically, you know, seek it. You need to go and find ways to constantly challenge yourself and the, really the harder the challenge, the better. And this, it says here about self-discovery fosters resilience and a positive outlook on life. That resilience comes back to, I've said it a few times, that muscle memory, knowing that you've achieved something hard previous in your life means you can do it again and it's just building a muscle it's just a different kind of muscle and the other part of that is the continuous learning so a commitment to lifelong learning and personal development contributes to a sense of purpose and fulfillment and this is something that we spoke about a lot as well is the really the the willingness and the curiosity to learn for me, that makes life a lot more interesting than thinking like, oh, I'm at a certain age now, there's, there's nothing nothing else to learn, nothing else to explore, that's it. Um, and I think really that that commitment to saying, I'm getting 1% better each day is really every day to kind of infuse something. And sometimes you don't quite know it's not as tangible that you know exactly what it is that you need to do, but it's sometimes even something where you're saying, oh, something that feels challenging or something that is not as comfortable to kind of go with it and do it. Um, and then generally, I mean, I think I said before as well, I'm an absolute kind of wisdom sponge, especially when it comes to kind of ancient wisdom and energies in the space, energy medicine. I'm just really soak up all those um, all that knowledge. <coughs> Nothing. <coughs> Nothing I can do. <laughs> I couldn't continue. I saw the facial expression. Oh, fuck. I can't remember where we got to. What do you mean on the on, on the coins? Oh, on the coins on there. 
Or time-wise. Just... It's mm -mm. 6.57. I mean, do you know where you could carry on? Yeah, well, the continuous learning, so I'm just trying to, because I almost feel like I'm muffled a little bit there, so maybe you can, maybe I just read the continuous learning again, because okay. there was a pause. Let me just think about it. A commitment to life on learning personal. And then the next point is continuous learning. A commitment to lifelong learning and personal development contributes to a sense of purpose and fulfillment. And I can really relate to that because I love to learn. I am especially, I, I kind of nickname myself a wisdom sponge when it comes to ancient philosophies and ancient wisdom, especially in the sort of um, Chinese metaphysics and um, energy medicine. I'm just really fascinated by that. And then when I think about the personal development, I think understanding that we can all learn to get better every day, like getting better 1% every day, is to read, to listen to anything that's out there that you feel like can contribute to your personal development. I really love feeling that expansiveness of my mind, of my understanding. And, and again, for me, that's really connected to the spiritual bonuses as well. So I yeah I think like you're saying the um, seeing challenges and opportunities and continuous learning I think that's a real big part of self discovery growth. I think there's so much to learn as well that. But I think like you said, it's sort of framing certain subject matter. I don't think it's about thinking up something just picking a new thing every single day. Like I'm going to learn the guitar today, play golf tomorrow, learn to do this. I think it's more of a <clears throat> you know around certain subjects sometimes it's broad subjects like you mentioned whether it's you know Chinese metaphysics or energies or ancient wisdom I think also the key though is then to share the knowledge so and I was reading earlier uh, not earlier uh, yesterday about uh, kind of philosophy about for every hour of learning you do you should also give an hour of teaching and I think it's really true because a, I think it makes us better at, uh, maintaining the knowledge that we've learned and then you're obviously sharing that to hopefully other people that are going to benefit from it too so it's a it's a two-way street the learning cycle yeah now that's a really good one because that's really something for me and you nudged me on that a little bit because with all the excitement of learning I sometimes can forget actually sharing the knowledge and it's not that I want to hold on to it but it's I'm so excited to learn something else and I'm so in the learning process and getting ingrained in that that I don't take a pause sometimes and just really reflect on what I've learned and how can I kind of apply and share that knowledge so that's that's definitely a, a good comment on that and then number eight is uh, values alignment so living authentically aligning uh, actions that with the, sorry, aligning actions with core values promotes authenticity and a sense of integrity. And what was interesting, I think I was watching or reading in the a diary of a CEO book the other day about cognitive dissonance. And that's where our actions and our goals don't necessarily align. So when we think about, you know, a fitness goal or <clears throat> when we're telling people, you know, working on getting a six-pack and then you, you're asked do you go to the gym and you answer no um, then the two don't align and I think that's where people can get a little bit mismatched in in life where you're not really living by your standards or your values that you're promoting on the outside and then it can create a bit of an inner conflict so I think it's really important to get those two things in sync otherwise you can I think that's why sometimes people give up on goals or... But is that going back to what we were saying earlier, is that maybe because ultimately that value and that goal wasn't really authentically kind of matching you, it's something that you felt like you should do or should have. I could see that that might be the, the problem too, because if it's, if it's something that you really reflected on and really speaks to you, then usually that's something you you kind of stick with and and want to evolve on. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's just being living authentically. I think is one on 
it's I think it's as much about yourself. I think it starts with yourself and maintaining the promises to yourself, I think is a big part of being authentic. So if you if you're gonna go if you tell yourself you're gonna go to the gym, go to the gym. If you tell yourself you're not gonna, you know, watch your social media in bed, you know, don't do it. If you're gonna get up and don't hear the snooze button, do it. And I think that's where you can be having self integrity because um I think it was Mel Robbins was saying this the other day that uh, if if somebody kept turning up late, said they were going to do something and didn't, um, <clears throat> you know, kept telling you little lies, etc., etc. After a while, you wouldn't really want to be friends or associate with that person anymore. Yet we do it to ourselves all the time. So you've got to be authentic and honest with yourself, and that build that self integrity within your own self, which I think then you can project out into the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think on, on that note, because you were saying about um, aligning with, I think you were saying something on the note of aligning with people that have those values or expectations of, of people. I think that next one where it says about prioritizing meaningful connection, like building and nurturing relationships based on shared values enhances the sense of community and belonging. And I feel like nowadays, even more so than ever, that sense of community belonging is so important. And it's just really something that we're all longing for. What I would challenge on that a little bit is that I feel that you can have good friendships and relationships with people that might not share the same values. Obviously, when it crosses kind of an ethical line, that's something different. Um, but I feel like it could totally be that you just accept someone else for this, their values. It doesn't totally speak to yours. Of course, when you talk about community and belonging and maybe being interested in the same same things and pulling on the same string, going in the same direction, it might be different. But I feel like there definitely can be a common nominator and a good relationship with someone that doesn't have exactly the same values. Yeah, that's right, because we're all different, aren't we? I mean, I think it, you, at the core, I think with those people, like you said, you share the same... I guess ethical values yeah. and like generally... Like same outlook in life, yeah. and, but we might just disagree on certain elements and as long as it stays civil and on a, on a surface level, then that's absolutely fine. Well, on a surface level, but not in terms of like the relationship on a surface level. Oh, no, you want no, that no. To be deep, a deep relationship. Deep and meaningful, yeah. absolutely. So yeah, there are eight points that we did research on and we felt were, you know, gonna assist ourselves in kind of our spiritual journey and spiritual wellness and I love the way that so many of these interact with previous episodes and that mind-body connection is some of it's subtle, some of it's nuanced, some of it makes you go take a deeper dive and research and read and explore further because it's something that you'd never thought of or misinterpreted or something that fascinates you or may align with you because you know, you look at when you look at some of these things on face value, like, oh, I've got to do all of these eight things and how often should I do them? But it's not about that. I think it's about building a philosophy around and just living your life either way by these values and prioritizing them, giving your life purpose. And ultimately, you know, being part of something bigger than yourself, I think really, really helps the spiritual well-being. Yeah, like you're saying, the... A nice idea of everything is kind of a holistic approach when we're looking at the concepts and dimensions of wellness and how they're like we're seeing now all interconnected and then every every one of them is really important to pay attention to and work on and when you kind of break them down they're very connected it doesn't it's not like there's like these six dimensions and it's really hard work because you're going to focus on six X aspects of your life and dimensions of wellness they can they all kind of play together and play nicely off of each other. And then one thing I wanted to do is maybe read this one uh, paragraph at the end because I thought that was kind of a nice summary as well, which said, uh, in essence, spiritual wellness involves an ongoing journey of self-discovery, intentional living and a connection with elements beyond the individual self, leading to a more profound and meaningful existence. That's a perfect way to leave it and sum it up. I like that. Yeah. I like the profound and meaningful existence.
that's what it's all about, isn't it? To really have meaning in your life and yeah, amazing. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Look forward to chatting again next week. Sounds good. I'll be here next week. See you next week. See you next week. <coughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, fine. I think this format works well to be honest. Mhm. It's good we brought even a little bit more even like liveliness into it today. Yeah, coughing. No, oh, I didn't mean the coughing. I meant the. I think we've got a pretty good cutting point because you paused. Uh, you paused. Or you stopped, and then there was a little pause, and then I emphasized that point. Little pause. Little pause. And then, um, and then I just started that again. So I think that should be a pretty good. Oh, good.